0: All right, yo South Philly, welcome to the yo South Philly page, and uh, we got a special guest here tonight. I'm really excited uh, to have him here. Uh, I've been talking about it all week long, and hopefully you guys have tuned in and uh, saw all the uh, ads, and and uh, it should be a really nice uh, treat. But let's uh, let's get started. Uh, I want to welcome you to the yo South Philly show. Um, Nick Lanciano. You can catch this episode on Anchor Break Breaker Audio, Google Podcast, PEA, Radio Republic, Spotify, Apple. Of course, you can also catch the playback of this broadcast on Facebook and the Yo South Philly group page. So if you have any questions, feel free to email me at Nick L at Lanciano Productions.com. That's L-A-N-C-I-A-N-O Productions.com. So today's guest. Well, you know, everybody knows it's Bobby Rydell, and he is the very definition of talent. His career has encompassed six decades and counting, selling over 25 million records. He went on to star on TV, stage, and film, and is the author of the best-selling autobiography, Bobby Rydell, Teen Idol on the Rocks, A Tale of Second Chances. I am all about second chances. I'd like to welcome Bobby to the show. Bobby, you with us? Yes, I sure am, Nick. How are you doing? Wow, Bob, let me tell you, I'm honored. I'm honored to have you on here, man. I really am.
1: Well, thank you ever so much. It's my pleasure.
0: So, uh, you know, we're trying to to reach out to, uh, you know, people that grew up in South Philly. Uh, You know, you know as well as I do, it's a very special place uh, to grow up in. Um, You know, you grew up uh, in a different time than I did, but um, not that much and uh, I just was curious I mean I don't I I want to get into your career obviously but what what are some of your memories of living in South Philly just like when you think about living here what what comes to mind like to me when I was I grew up around 12th and Dickinson and like I I think when I think of South Philly I think of summer I think of playing under the plug under the fire hydrant (laughs) you know that kind of stuff what comes to you when you think about that stuff
1: well, of course, you're right, Nick. You know, we couldn't wait till that fire hydrant opened, you know, so we can get a little wet, you know, during the heat of the summer. But my God, you know, South Philly was such a great place to grow up in. And I don't live there anymore. I'm outside of the city. But like the old saying goes, you know, you could take the kid out of South Philly. That's right. But you can never take South Philly out of the kid. And that is so true. I you know, growing up the neighborhood, you know, we had an ice cream parlor right on. I was on 11th and Moy Mensing, 2423 South 11th Street, and one of the last neighborhood movies was right in my neighborhood, the Colonial movie. Yeah. And then we had <laughs> yeah, then yeah, then we had uh, a, a little soda shop called George's, and all of the guys and girls we would go there and listen to the whirligig and play. You know, whatever record was at the time. You know, hot and have coca-colas and ice cream sundae banana split so on and so forth but you know it's it it, memories you know will always be within me you know it was such a great great time to grow up you know i was born in 1942 my birthday was two days ago i'm now 79.
0: that's right hold on hold on we have a tradition here hold on hold on
1: oh happy
0: friggin birthday there you go. I think
1: I know who that was. That was Ray Koniski, Frankie Avalon's piano player.
0: Yeah, uh, it must have sounded like him. I don't know. I bought it. <laughs> that's,
1: uh, that, I'm pretty sure that's who it was. Yeah Ray, yeah, Ray and I are very dear friends. He called me and wished me happy birthday. He didn't say friggin' though. He said the, the, the real... Yeah, yeah. The real, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but... Know, I, 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 and and Frankie uh, Avalon, he did a video that was really precious. It was hilarious. You know, he couldn't pronounce my real name, Ritterelli, and uh, I don't know where you are now, Bobby. You may be in Brazil somewhere. You know, <laughs> you know, and it was really a special treat. You know, and um, you know, just all of those memories. You know, and you know. Uh, my neighborhood, I was 2423 South 11th. Fabian was on the 2500 block, block of South 11th. And Frankie was on 9th Street, two blocks away. And we started a show back in 1985 called the Golden Boys Bandstand. And Frank used to say on stage, look at us three. Here's three guys. we used to hang out on the street corner today, uh, you know, back in the back in the day and now we're hanging out on stage together. Yeah. And it's a, yeah, yeah, and it's a great show. We, we started it back in 1985 and my God, we're still doing it and we're booked till 19 uh yeah, uh, 20, uh, 2022 for God's sake. Wow. but you know just you know going back, you know uh, just playing block ball, stick ball, buck, buck. Uh, you know, you know, you want know, you know all of the games yeah. we played back then. It brings back so many fond memories. It was a great, great place to grow up in.
0: Yeah, that was that was actually one of my next questions. Is that did you guys hang out before, you know, you you all got famous? Not
1: well. Uh, uh, Frankie and I go back. He's a year older than me. Frank just turned eighty. He's an octogenarian, and I'll be one next year. God spares. And uh, Frank and I, uh, I was about 10 years old. Frank was about 12. And he played trumpet. I played drums. And we used to do shows for USO, veterans' hospitals, so on and so forth. Frankie had a club on 17th and Jackson called The Frat. And then it moved to Broad and Porter right above uh, Bambi's Cleaners. And oh, wow. was on- <laughs> yeah. I mean, and fa- although Fabian lived only a half a block away from me, I never knew him. Because, uh, and sure, as you know, Nick, you know, every hang in, in South Philly, a different corner was a different hang. Right. So I really never knew Faye until, you know, we were both in the business. But, you know, we're, you know, we're, you know, really, really dear friends, Avalon, Fabian and myself.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. I, I, uh, I were you, did you know Jimmy Darren? Oh, my God. Yeah. Jimmy lived. On 10th Street. I thought he lived like on hamburger Street or something like that. I thought it was like. I I
1: think Frankie. Frankie was on hamburger Street. Frankie. Yeah. Frankie. I I think Jimmy lived on 10th Street, and I believe at one time he lived right across the street from my first wife, God rest her soul, Camille.
0: Hmm.
1: And yeah, I've known Jimmy. Oh my God, for forever, forever.
0: Yeah that that's it's just a, I look back at the uh, you know the old shows and listen to the old music and it, it just seemed like such a much more simpler time <laughs> back oh, then.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Oh absolutely absolutely what a great time to grow up in huh Yeah yeah it lo- yeah. looked it looks like that
0: I mean I like the, the 80s 50s but <laughs> and the 60s were wonderful my god yeah <laughs> Um so do you ever get do you ever come back here I mean do you ever do you ever you know, visit your, uh, I mean, Jesus, you have a, f- a freaking street named after you for Christ's sakes. Uh, yeah, do, do you,
1: do you... My God, could you imagine that? Yeah. My old block 2423 South 11th street is now called Bobby Rydell Boulevard.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I see if that happened well, to me, I'd go visit myself all the time. Oh my
1: God. What an honor, <laughs> you know? Yeah. What an honor that was, you know? And, um, yeah, I do. Um, Normally, you know, since this pandemic thing has, you know, happened with this COVID 19 thing, right? Uh, me and a bunch of Italian guys, we used to go out, you know, every Wednesday night. Uh, there could be eight, there could be 12 of us, there could be five, you know, so on and so forth. And we would always visit, you know, one of the restaurants in South Philadelphia, you know, whether it be Villa de Roma, uh, maybe we'd go to uh, 10th and Christian and uh, Corona de Fea, you know, and, um, we're hoping to get that thing, you know, back up again because it was a lot of fun. You know, all of the guys that, you know, not that I grew up with, but just a bunch of Italian guys. And we all go in and we, you know, we just break one another's, you know what I mean. Yeah,
0: yeah we're yeah, we yeah, we're total. we could say whatever you want here, Bob. <laughs> 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 yeah, well, we break
1: one another's thin deems, is that's that right? All right? <laughs> that's right. That's right.
0: It's just that, yeah, so you guys, I mean, so, okay, so you get, you get, God, God, I got so many questions. I'm never going to get to them all. But so let me let me dive into your your career. You you before you were a singer, you were actually a drummer. Am I correct?
1: Correct. Yes. Uh, when I was five, my dad, who loved big bands, God rest his soul, uh, he took me to a place called the Earl Theater in Philadelphia to see the Benny Goodman Band. Now I'm five years old. I don't know who the hell Benny Goodman was. <laughs> and my, but my father wanted to introduce me to that kind of music. So I was there and I was enthralled at five years old, you know, four trumpets, four trombones, five saxophones, full rhythm section. And I, I really enjoyed the band, you know. I never heard that music before. But I said to my father, there's one guy that, you know, I really love daddy and I want to be him. And that was the drummer in the Benny Goodman band and his name was Gene Krupa, who was one of the best drummers, you know, in its you know, in that particular era. So because of Gene Krupa, I started playing drums at about five, six years old. And I still play today. I have my set, you know, downstairs in my music room and I put on earphones and I and I play, you know, the different things. Maybe it'd be jazz or rock and roll or big band, you know, whatever. So uh It was all because of my dad that I'm in the business today. If I had any talent within me whatsoever, he was the first one to see it at a very early age.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, how did you know? I mean, is he the the one that told you you could sing?
1: Well, you know, I used to sit around and watch TV, and I would mimic people that I saw on TV, and I would sing as well. And I remember when my father was drafted, I was born in '42. And he was drafted and he went overseas. He was in Pakistan and he never went into battle or anything like that. He was with a a group called uh, Eisenhower's Traveling Troops. And my mother, you know, used to write to him. And my mother would say, when I was three years old, so this is what, 1945 now. And she would say, "The baby's always singing. The baby's always singing." And my father wrote back, and I still have the letter to this day. And he said, "You know what, Jenny? Maybe one day we'll have a star in the family." And I still have that letter today. So my father used to take me around to nightclubs in Philadelphia when I was seven, eight years old. Yeah, that, see, and-
0: that, that seems to be—is that what ha- I was reading up on? Uh, on Frankie and, uh, and 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 all those guys too. And it seems to, that seemed to be the way to 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 get out there is to, to go he did kind of did the same thing his dad took him to the clubs around philly to perform
1: absolutely yeah absolutely you know frankie was basically a trumpet player at that particular time and and like i said earlier you know i would play drums frank would play trumpet we would go around to veterans hospitals so on so forth but yeah um uh yeah yeah frankie was introduced uh, to the business at a very early, early age. I think he was on the Jackie Gleason show playing trumpet at 10 years old and he played the song Tenderly and he played the hell out of it. And like I said earlier, we've been friends since I was 10, he was 12, you know? And um, basically... I think that, you know, that early part in our life, like working the clubs at seven, eight years old, you know, getting up in front of an audience and singing and doing impersonations or playing trumpet or whatever it may be. Wow,
0: you guys were that young? You were eight, like eight years old?
1: Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah, my God, yeah. Wow. So basically for Frankie and myself, that was kind of like our vaudeville and it kind of got us prepared and ready for what was going to happen later on in our lives, as far as hmm. the business was concerned, you know, basically meaning show business.
0: Yeah. I'm a filmmaker. I've always been a filmmaker. And, and I've had that in my blood, I, I guess, as long as you have music in your blood since you were eight, nine years old. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still waiting for the success. I got a, I got a movie out on Amazon Prime, um, and that's a, that's a big success for me. But... To, what was it like bob i mean when did you when you when you became famous you were what, like 15 16 years old
1: i uh, my first hit record was 1959
0: i was 17 years old 17 so Correct. so i mean at some point you do you pinch yourself you know like did you can you imagine i can't even imagine the the what that kind of fame that you had you were a teen well, idol at, at 17 yeah, yeah. how do you handle that
1: Yeah, I I know what you're saying, Nick, you know, but what I what I said earlier, you know, when we were seven, eight, nine years old and we worked these nightclubs at the CR club, the two four club, the BR club, Skiolis, Palumbos, so on, and so forth, you know, and uh, it kind of got us ready for what's going to, you know, what was going to happen. And I remember my first manager was a man by the name of Frankie Day. His real name was Francesco Cocchi. And we were riding to New York on the on the on the Jersey Turnpike and we're getting into the New York area and we're listening to W.A.B.C. radio. And there was a jockey there, his name, um, Bruce Morrow. And he said, here's a new kid with a new record that we like to play for. His name is Bobby Rydell. And here's his song Kissin' Time, which was my first hit in summer of 59. And I just sat in the car, you know, and I said, Wow, you know, that was the first time I ever heard myself on the radio. <laughs> you know, so like you say, you kind of pitched yourself and you say, Oh my god, is yeah. this really happening? You know? <laughs> yeah.
0: Is that that was your first hit?
1: Yeah, a song called Kissin' Time, Summer of Nineteen Fifty Nine. Is that did you write that, Bob? No, no, I wish I did. I'd be living in Tahiti right now. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's the way it works, though, right? (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, So what was was the song? I mean, that was your first hit, so I guess that's the one. Is that the song that uh, set you in the right direction as far as setting up your success?
1: Well, I recorded for a company called Cameo, which was an independent label in Philadelphia. later became Cameo Parkway. The owner was a man by the name of Bernie Lowe. And I recorded three songs for Bernie for Cameo. And Bernie used to take all of the acetates, the dubs, to Dick Clark and play them. And Dick turned down my first three records. Now, the last one he took was Kissing Time. And Dick played the acetate, the dub. He dropped a needle on the record, and he looked at Bernie Lowe, and he said, that's a hit. And from there, I went on, you know, American Bandstand. yeah. And of course, you know, the rest is all history, you know, because when you do American Bandstand, you know, it was on at 3.30 in the afternoon. and went cross country from 3.30 to 5 o'clock. So, you know, all of the teenagers, you know, back then saying, oh, my God, if Dick's playing this record, we have to go out and buy it. You know, so Dick was very, uh, very, very instrumental in my career as far as recording wise, you know, uh, was concerned.
0: Yeah, yeah, I remember you got you you being on that show. Um, the okay, so before that, before that song, "Kissing Time," just for the uh, I'm real, I'm real big into uh, you know never giving up, and you know these kids today, Bob, they you know they want everything now, you know they don't understand that it's a journey and right and, and things <laughs> like that. So, have did you? Okay, that was that not that was not your first song. That was the first song that was a hit, correct? You did you have flops before that?
1: Well, I mean, they never even got played. I had three records on Cameo, like I said earlier, that he took to Dick Clark, you know, and they mm-hmm. turned the first three songs down. Right. And uh and and then, you know, when he took Kissing Time. And like I said, Dick dropped a needle on the record and said, that's a hit. And that started my whole recording career.
0: So, but when, but when they, when he didn't like them, how did you handle that in your head? How did you handle it? Uh, well,
1: well, truthfully, you know, when the three records were turned down, I, I kind of thought to myself, now what I'm, I'm maybe 16 years old at that time. Yeah. And I said, you know what, this is probably not really right for me. I was really happy playing drums. You know, maybe that's that's where, where my life uh, looks like it's going to head, you know, to be a drummer with a jazz band, a big band, a rock band, so on and so forth. But then all of a sudden Kissin' Time was recorded and that started everything off.
0: Because you stuck with it. You stuck
1: with it. Yeah, sure. Yeah.
0: yeah. I don't think you have, it's like, you don't have a choice, right? I mean, when it's, when it's running through well, your veins. Well, not at 16 years old. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. Yeah. Yeah, you you, you can't uh, like I couldn't quit if, if I could say, uh, you know, I'm going to quit. I'm not going to make films anymore. And I, I I know that's a bunch of crap I'm because I, I, it's just I can't. It's just running through my veins. I just can't. Well, you know. well,
1: that's it. That's it. There you go, Nick. It's it's in your blood, man. It's in your veins. It's in your makeup, you know. So, no, don't ever don't ever, ever quit because you never know when you know what's going to be around the corner. You know, you like they say. You know, you're throwing those stuff against the wall. You know, something's got to stick some somewhere somehow.
0: Yeah, I, I give sometimes. You know, the, you meet younger filmmakers and you know, and I tell them, you know, you, you you can't give up. I mean, even if nothing happens, you're you still win because you're doing stuff. You're doing something that you love to do your whole life, and that's a win right there. You might not get famous, but you you know, it, it's it's it wouldn't be it would be worse not to do it.
1: Oh, absolutely. When my son went to school, we lived up in the main line. I lived in an area called Penn Valley, and my son went to a a private school called a Catholic school, Waldron Academy. And in his school was a young kid, and I could never pronounce his name, uh, McKellen, and he became like one of the best, you know, motion picture filmmakers um I'm, I'm trying to remember the first movie with uh, bruce uh, bruce willis where you know he's supposed to be dead and uh what the hell was that movie oh
0: uh signs i'm mean, not signs uh six cents
1: six cents yeah and my son went to school with the guy who made that movie who I could never pronounce his name. <laughs> yeah, I know.
0: He's M, M. Night Helen, Shyamalan
1: Columbia was something. What I, I forget is his name.
0: Yeah, M Night Shyamalan.
1: Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you got it right. Yeah, yeah. he still. Oh, so, I mean, you know, there, there. You are, man. You never know what's going to happen.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you that your your music career took you into acting too. I mean, uh, did you when you were when you were just doing music? Did you think? That you can act as well? As no, you-
1: no, no, never. And uh, I remember I went out uh, to uh, screen test for the part of Hugo Peabody, mm-hmm. uh, Bye Bye Birdie, and I screen tested with Ann Margaret.
0: <laughs> <And, laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just, baby. Uh, yeah. yeah <laughs> I'll tell you what. We're, still, you know, since 1963, <laughs> when we made that movie, we're still. Really, really tight friends. I call her every couple of months. She calls me, so so forth. Yeah, and she's a super, super dynamite lady. And we auditioned for or screen tested for George Sidney, who was the director of Bye Bye Birdie. And, you know, we read a few lines from the script. And then, you know, she sang one boy, one special boy. I sang one girl, one special girl. And Mr. Sidney said, okay, thank you ever so much. Uh, We'll be in touch. I went back home to South Philly and my manager called me, Frankie Day, and he said they want you for the part of Hugo Peabody. So I remember seeing the play, the show, and Hugo Peabody did nothing. He didn't sing, he had no dialogue, he didn't dance, he did nothing. He was like a mama luke. He just stood there <laughs> like an idiot, you know? Right. So I said, you know, what the hell is this gonna be? Make a long story short, George Sidney saw some kind of magic between Anne Margaret and myself. And every day that I went to Columbia Studios, my script got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger each day to the part, you know, where there was a lot of dialogue. There was a lot of singing Mm -hmm. and a lot of dancing, you know, and uh, and that, you know, uh, you know, I was never a motion picture star, you know, but if I had to be in one movie, my God, Bye Bye Birdie is a classic. Yeah, well,
0: you guys definitely had uh, um, there was definitely a chemistry going on there. Oh, absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that's that's cool. got like, you guys are still you guys are still friends. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we're still friends. Yeah. She's uh, but she's out. She's out on the she's on the west coast, right? Still?
1: Yeah, yeah. The last time I saw her Oh my god, I think it was that we we were, we were together, you know, uh for a uh, a question and answer thing when they remade uh the uh, Bye Bye Birdie and we did q and A, a uh, Anne and myself, and I think that was 2010 or 2011. So that's the that's the last time we, you know, we both saw one another face to face. But like I said earlier, you know, I'll call her every couple of months just to say how you doing, how, You know, how you feeling, so on and so forth. And uh, you know, like she'll call me, and she calls me by. Uh, is this Mr. Ritterelli? You know. By
0: <laughs> your last your real last name,
1: I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my real name, you know, and she, and I would say, Oh, is this Kim? Is this <laughs> Kim McAfee? <laughs> well, she wasn't from this country though, right? Well, I uh, I think she was born, I'm not quite sure, in Norway no, yeah. or or Sweden, you know, and um when we made the movie, we had to go to uh London for a command performance for the Royal family. And we were both staying at the same hotel together and her mom and dad were with her. And uh, I remember, I forget the name of the hotel, it doesn't matter. But, you know, uh, her mom and dad got off on one floor and I was ready to leave. And she said, would you walk me back up into my room, Bobby? And I said, oh, certainly, Anne, of course. I walked her back up to the room and Columbia gave her the penthouse mm. at this particular hotel it was a gorgeous gorgeous room and you know i just you know i kissed her on the cheek we said goodnight you know and, and and that was the end of that but needless to say uh, we we we've been friends since
0: 63 jesus that's a long time it's a long time to be friends with somebody yeah it sure is that's yeah amazing. that's when you know it's true that's a true friendship right there Oh,
1: absolutely, absolutely, Nick. Yeah,
0: she ever does she ever come come down uh, to Philly and visit you or?
1: No, no, no,
0: no, no. no. no you gotta make that happen. You gotta,
1: you I just, don't know. Maybe I'll give her a call and invite her to an Italian restaurant in there, South you, we'll you Tell show, you, you
0: show her where all the real good Italian restaurants are.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, just uh, to you take her up. Uh, I don't know if you've been down here. Yeah, you know, just we talk about Pashunk Avenue a lot because it's right. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. It is, yeah. it is. It is a another world right now, Bob. You would oh, never, yeah, you yeah. Would, you would never believe it. Yeah. I'll tell you, there's
1: one restaurant that we used to go to on passion called Tre Scalini, you know, which in Italian means three steps. And uh, the, the the mother was the cook there, and she cooked absolutely fantastic. It was a BYO place, you know, bring your own booze. And we used to go in with, like, you know, some red wine, maybe some white wine, whatever. But the food there was absolutely fantastic.
0: Yeah, that was that's on. The, what was that right, 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 right on Uh Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, knew, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Who you talking yeah, today's Scalini. Yeah, uh, there, you could get. That's I tell everybody. Anybody visiting here. You come in the South Philly, you, you can't go wrong. You can go anywhere, and you're going to get no.
1: A- my God, you know that Passion Avenue has become restaurant row
0: for crying out loud. Yeah, it's more like many Yunk now. It's, it's it's got so many no, shops. And yeah, yeah, right. Both places you can't park anywhere. Nowhere, nowhere. And now they got yeah, <laughs> nowhere. The parking authority just waiting for you there. Oh my God, yeah, that's for sure. So tell tell us about your. Uh, so you you wrote it. You wrote a book too. You're you're like super talented. You dance, you sing, you act. You play the drums, and you're also you also well, wrote, wrote a book.
1: Yeah, the way that the way that all started, you know, when I was you know in my teens and you know like early twenties, twenty twenty one, you know after show you would sit around with people and you would talk, you know, to tell some jokes, and everybody used to say to me, "Bobby, you have such great stories. Why don't you write a book?" Now I'm like, you know, nineteen twenty. I said, "Who the hell wants to hear about a book about a kid who's 19, 20 years old?" So, make a long story short, this is about three and a half, four years ago, my wife, my new wife, Linda, uh, we've been married going on to 12 years now, she said, why don't you really think about, you know, writing a book? So I got together with a dear friend of mine, his name is Alan Slutsky, a real, real fine musician in Philadelphia, and he did a documentary on uh, standing in the shadows of Motown with the Funk Brothers. And he's a very, very talented guy, and we sat for about a year, year and a half, close to two years, you know, with a tape recorder, pencil, you know, a pad, and he's taking notes. And I said to him, I said, Alan, you know, I said, this has really got to be sincere, man. You know, I don't want no bullshit about my book. Everything's got to come out from my heart, and I want it to be very honest. And the book is very, very honest, and it's an easy read. Excuse me and uh it, the book is doing well you know it's not falling off the shelf but it's it, it's it's doing well and i'm very very proud of it because like i said it's it, it's very sincere it's very honest and and, and i you know it it just pour, comes comes right from my
0: heart that's awesome and it's av- i know it's available on amazon right everything everything's available Correct. on amazon yeah,
1: well, <laughs> yeah it's available on amazon but you can also go to my site BobbyRydell.com uh under merchandise and you know and uh on that particular site i i signed the books you know they get a okay uh, yeah they get an autograph signature of me you know on on, on uh com.
0: that's that's cool so so what was your i mean through through your career through your childhood through up to this point bob you know, everybody has their ups and downs and 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 their obstacles to, to to get over. What, Absolutely. What, what would you say, throughout your lifetime, was your main, your biggest obstacle to uh, uh, get over, and and how did you do it?
1: And well, That was alcohol. Okay. I uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, my first wife, God rest her soul, Camille. Uh, she lived right around the corner from me on 10th street. And um, we married in 1968. We were married for 35 years. And then at, uh, I think she was just about 60 years old. And she, uh, she, uh, she got breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And um, for nine years, she was absolutely wonderful, Nick, you know, and I said, wow, baby, I said, you know, You beat it, you got it. And then all of a sudden it came back and it came back like a vengeance. You know, it went into all of her, you know, limp nose. uh, You know, it was just terrible. And uh, when she passed away, Nick, you know, going to bed at night was um, very, very lonely. You know, nobody to talk to, nobody to laugh with, nobody to cry with, nobody to tell your stories to. And I turned to the bottle, and I became an alcoholic. I drank from the morning I got up until the wee small hours when I went to bed. And um, there was a doctor at Lankanel Hospital. Uh, this was 2010. He said to me, Bobby, if you don't stop drinking, you're going to be dead in two years. Jeez. And I figured, well, if I'm going to be dead in two years, I might as well go out <laughs> swinging, you know, with the <laughs> hell. But he was right on the ball because 2012. I had a double transplant. I had a liver and a kidney uh, from a young girl from Reading, Pennsylvania. Reading, Pennsylvania, who was hit by a car, and she was immediately pronounced brain dead, which is the only way that you can get a transplant. Mm. And uh, I got her liver and her kidney, and that was 2012. It's now what. 2021 and I'm doing absolutely wonderful. And I tell people when I'm on stage, you know, how important it is to become, uh, an organ donor. And I, I, I impress upon the people as a favor to me. Uh, I say the next time you go in for your driver's license, please become an organ donor because it truly is the gift of life. And my God, that is so true.
0: Wow. That's an amazing story. That's amazing. So, I I mean, did you, so what was the, what was the turning point for you, Bob? I mean, you were going through all that, that, that turmoil and that, that, that tragedy. Well,
1: the the turning point was when I got the new liver and the new kidney. Yeah. But is that,
0: is that what, is that what got you off of the alcohol? Oh, well, my God, for sure. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. 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 I can't imagine. That's that's just got to ask tough.
1: Uh, You know, I I, I was being wheeled into the OR, and my new wife, Linda, she was behind me, and I was supposed to do a cruise ship in October, okay? And I'm being wheeled into the OR, and I turned to her and I said, you know what, sweetheart, I'm going to make that cruise. I figured, I'm going into the OR, I got a 50-50 shot. I'm either going to die in there, or if I come out, then we'll see what the hell happens from there. And so far, so good. You know, still working, still singing and yeah. feeling great.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. I, that was my, as I was, was going to go to next, Is you, you guys, you're still performing. You're still, yeah. and you're still performing with Frank, Frankie and. and. Oh uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. We got, we have a lot of shows coming up, uh, a matter of, well, you know, because of this pandemic pandemic. Uh, Excuse me. Bullshit. Yeah. You know, I uh, my I, I did it. I, I did an engagement in Orlando, March 18th and 19th. It was absolutely wonderful. Now, my next engagement is in uh, July. I'm working at a place called the Riviera Theater right outside of Buffalo, New York. And then from there, you know, July, August, September, October, you know, we're we're booked. So everything is looking really, really good right now. And I'm looking really looking forward to getting back on stage again.
0: You know what's amazing, Bob? I'm I'm um, you know, I'm 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 fifty-two, I and and uh I, I'm starting to see a lot of these young kids, these young singers singing your your stuff. Like that stuff that that kind of music that that is coming back. I have a I have a friend Carmine uh Yuska, I met on a film set. And he's a singer, and my cousin, my I was gonna say my cousin Vinny, which is a movie, but seriously, my cousin Vinny, who's out there in Florida, um, he's singing uh, all your kind of music, and and really, funkier. yeah, I mean, and wow. they, you know, they 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 got the swing down, and they they're I'm hearing more and more about it. I mean, and seeing it more and more. Uh, they even like. They are dressing sharp, you know how the guys used to be back in the day when there was some style and they oh, yeah, you know and they're,
1: oh for sure, yeah,
0: and your pants weren't down there you know you're at your knees and <laughs> yeah. you know all that stuff's coming back, and uh you know i we, I tell you what I would love to see come back with these kids What's that? instruments <laughs> <laughs> actual musical instruments, yeah, that would be good, wouldn't yeah, it? yeah, that would be yeah to hear some real music again would be good, it would be good. <laughs> For sure, my God, yeah. Oh my Lord, that's so. What are you gonna do? I,
1: well, I, I, I'm. Le- I, I was in the bedroom right now. and I'm gonna go out to the den because I got to put on uh, the NFL the draft. Oh. And see what the hell Howie Roseman is gonna <laughs> screw up this year.
0: <laughs> well, I don't. I won't keep you. Uh, I I really appreciate uh, you taking the time to talk to us, uh, Bobby. And um, um, you tell Frankie when he's uh. When he's when you talk to him, uh, that I um I, I sent him an email. I'm trying to get him on here, I didn't, oh, get, okay. I didn't get no responses. He wasn't as nice as you, you know. So <laughs> no, he's a cool guy, Frank. Yeah, yeah, I actually you're gonna be uh I, I I thought I saw on your schedule you're gonna be uh, in in Wildwood at some point, aren't you?
1: Yeah, we're doing Italian Festival in Wildwood. I think it's October, October. the second.
0: I'm gonna come down. I'm yeah. gonna go down there. I wanna come see you.
1: That sounds great. Yeah, yeah it will be wonderful.
0: Finally, well, get to shake your hand. Bobby, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Good luck with the NFL draft. Yeah,
1: I'm waiting here. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, oh, all and, right, and, man. Thank and, you ever so much. No problem. Say say hello to Ann-Margaret for me. <laughs> okay, sir, <I> will. <laughs> Thanks,
1: Bob. Stay well, my friend. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: All right, there you have it, folks. That was Mr. Bobby Rydell. Very cool guy. He took some time out to... Uh, Talk to us today, and uh, actually, it was very informative. I had a lot I didn't know about him, um, especially the you know the alcohol and the liver and and, and all that other stuff he had to go through. And it just goes to show, you know, I, I know we hung up on him, but I'm proud of him. I'm proud of him. I'm proud of him. Uh, I think all South Philly's proud of him um, to go through what he went through and and uh, still doing what you love and is still doing it now is kind of the way I like to live my life, you know. Sometimes, you know, I get depressed, you know, as a filmmaker and things don't go your way and I didn't have anything as tragic as Bobby did, but if he can get through that and still be doing what he's doing and being happy doing it, I got no com- I can't complain. And for- everything just didn't everything just seemed much more smooth like the guys were more suave back then. You know, like uh, what what I didn't know, and I meant to bring this up, and I wish I did, I forgot this question, you know, up Wilder Street, where I grew up, uh, Grease was a, uh, the movie Greece was a big thing, my friends Carla, and Debbie, you know, and uh, Marisa, they all used to, you know, we all used to do Greece. you know, out on the street, on the steps, and <laughs> we used to do the movie Grease, and sing, and, and things like that, and, uh, I always wondered if this was the case, but it is the case. The school in Greece, Rydell High, is named after Bobby Rydell. I didn't know that. I thought that was, did you guys know that? I I had no idea. I had no idea. But I always, I was like, I wonder. Every time I hear it, Rydell High, I always wonder if that's Bobby Rydell. I wonder if that's how they got it. I meant to ask Bobby how that happened, but I don't know. I forgot. That's what happens at 52. I wanted to get more, get more into uh, what Anne Margaret. That's awesome that, like, the South Philly kid, because Anne Margaret was, like, uh, considered one of the most beautiful women at, of that time. And, you know, here is this, you know, this little South Philly kid doing movies with her. That's, that's what I'm saying. You have to pinch yourself at some point after all that success, you know? So let's see. I asked him about Frankie Avalon, Jimmy Darren. Listen. I think about Frankie Avalon. Danny, call me. Call me up on the phone. I want to talk to you. Uh, Frankie Avalon, my favorite song, believe it or not, Frankie Avalon, is Beauty School Dropout. No graduation day for you. Beauty School Dropout. Missed your midterms and flunk shampoo. Huh? From Greece. (laughs) That's my favorite Frankie Avalon song. I know. I'm sorry. But it is. I'll sing that for the next three days. This is Nick Lanciano and the Yo South Philly Show signing off. Thank you, everybody.